iHeartRealEstate.com. This is the Farm Report with Pam Young. You know, I would have sworn that I drove through a little freezing drizzle a couple hours back when I came into the office. I'm Pam Yankee. Welcome. Five minutes after five o'clock on a Wednesday morning. It is the 27th day of February. Maybe I did. There's light snow that's showing up on radar all across Wisconsin this morning. And maybe, depending on your temperatures, you do see a little freezing drizzle. Uh, today's daytime highs around 25 degrees, overnight lows down to 4 above. Tomorrow, pretty much a carbon copy. 24 are expected high on Thursday, overnight low down to 8. About a 30% chance of snow for tomorrow. Friday will warm up to 27 with more snow. Saturday and Sunday back down into the deep freeze, so to speak. Saturday's highs 17, Sunday's highs no better than 9 above. Stu Mucker, Ag Meteorologist, has more weather details for you in about 15 minutes. You know, this wicked weather that we've been living with in Wisconsin's been tough on both our animals as well as our people. What about our pests? Is there any silver lining to this nastiness? P.J. Leash, our University Extension entomologist, is going to share his insights before six, specifically on those insects like emerald ash borer. Did our sub-zero temperatures this year knock them back? He'll answer that question after 5.30. At Compere Financial, we understand how challenging farming and this way of life can be. And we know you can't predict what the upcoming growing season will bring. So while there's nothing wrong with hoping for the best, preparing for everything is even better. That's why so many farmers look to us to help manage their risk and protect their investment with crop insurance coverage. Contact your local Compere Financial Crop Insurance Specialist before the March 15th sign-up deadline or visit us at Compere.com. Compere Financial is an equal credit opportunity lender and provider. There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to Wisconsin's Soybean Marketing Board and BadgerBean.com, helping farmers grow sustainable crops to feed a hungry planet. Focus on the future. Farm First represents dairy farmers in the halls of Congress and provides test verification, disaster assistance, and youth scholarship benefits. Farm First Dairy Cooperative. Keep up with Pam at FabulousFarmBabe.net, Facebook, and Twitter. You know... You look at the weather that we're dealing with in Wisconsin and you wonder if there's anything out there under the snow surface, under the ice, under the frozen ground that survives. Fabulous farm babe Pam Yankee here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And Bob, you know, despite what we may feel or think when it comes to the terrain all around us and viability of anything living through it, you'd be surprised the kind of creatures, critters, and uh, diseases we're going to have to battle come spring, even with this kind of weather, huh? You're exactly right, Pam. Bob Osel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn. I always say January, February, early March are the best uh, insecticides we have. But invariably, they do survive, and that does include plant pathogens. And that's the area where Damon Smith is a specialist, our plant pathologist here at the University of Wisconsin in Madison. And uh, I talked to Damon recently, and he told me, he was awfully busy in 2018 as far as his area of research into soybeans, and he expects to be busy again in 2019. Still busy, Bob. I mean, it, it was a tough year all around. We uh, couldn't get soybeans out, and uh, started with white mold early on, sudden death syndrome, couldn't get harvested. Now we got seed quality issues, and that's going to carry over into 2019. So it's been a banner year for me since I've been in Wisconsin. 
Let's talk about the white mold. As far as uh, how bad was it in Wisconsin, and what what environmental conditions really brought that on? You know, it wasn't as bad as 2017, but we certainly had, especially in the northern third of the soybean production area in Wisconsin, we certainly had some areas that were were pretty pretty hard hit. Uh, again, it's cool temps, uh, lots of moisture that really drives it, and that has to occur at that, that flowering time. So it was hit and miss this year because the soybean crop pushed a little harder than it did in 2017, which compressed the flowering period, so that actually helped us uh, to a certain extent. But in those areas where we couldn't get heat units, we certainly saw some white mold. As far as the uh, agronomic practices, what kind of effect will they have on white mold as far as uh, seeding rates, roll width, things like that? Yeah, we're uh, doing some work right now that's funded by uh, the both the Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board as well as the North Central Soybean Research Program, looking at integrating strategies such as row uh, spacing, uh, planting population, and then fungicide programs on top of that. And we've learned a lot even after just a couple of seasons uh, in that, you know, really row width uh, is the primary driver in reducing white mold. So we moving from, say, a 15-inch row spacing just to a 30-inch row spacing can drop the incidence down about 50% some cases. You can further augment that by then dropping the seeding rates down a bit uh, to maybe around 120 to 140,000 uh, 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 seeds per, per acre at planting time. And then layer some fungicide over the top, but you know if you, you open that row spacing up and you drop that population, we don't see as much of an effect out of the fungicide program. So in some cases, if you layer some resistant varieties on top of that, you may not even need to spray. Is the trade-off good enough as far as going to wide row, you're getting less plants, less seed, less yield maybe. is The, the trade-off has to be considered here. There is a trade-off, and we can pick it up uh, in, in uh, environments where white mold is, uh, is low. Okay, So in those low environments, we do average about five bushels on top uh, with that 15-inch row spacing on top of the 30s. But you know in the heavy white mold environments, it, it darn near pays every time to open up that spacing because you're going to lose that five bushels that you gain on the 15-inch row spacing and then some. So you, you could look at it case by case mm-hmm. you know, and, and look at and go open in the row spacing up to those really heavy white mold environments, so it may not be a great fit across the whole farm, but certainly looking at your history and trying to pick those fields can certainly help. White mold in Wisconsin the past few years, has it been hot spots or equally across the state? What have you found? 2017, it was across the whole state. We had epic epidemic across Wisconsin. Actually, the whole upper Midwest uh, saw a lot of white mold, and so we we uh, you know put a lot of research out in 2018. 2018 was a little different, given the weather conditions were not quite as cool and wet as they were in 2017. So it was more hit and miss and spotty. Uh, but that's where our models, our prediction models, have come in to sort of help us you know predict or anticipate where those hot spots might be. So we actually saw pretty good success out of our uh, Sporecaster app actually in, in 2018, just in, in being able to pick out where those hot spots potentially were. Can you pick that out ahead of time for 2019? <laughs> <laughs> well, we can run them as far as, ha- far as far ahead as the forecast will let us run. So right now we can look ahead about a week uh, is about where we're at. But, you know, it's all going to depend on that weather uh, come June and July, and we'll know more as, as we get into those months on whether we really need to spray or not. How much overall? Did we see white mold affecting total yield in Wisconsin, do you think? 5%, 10%? 
Yeah, you know, if you looked at it again at 2017, it was in the probably the 8 to 10 percent range. Uh, 2018, it was down probably more like 4 to 5 percent in terms of yield reductions is what we estimate there. So again, it wasn't quite as bad in 2018, but certainly it is, aside from soybean cyst nematode, our, still our uh, number two disease problem here in the state. Does that mean sudden death syndrome is number one? That means sudden death number three. So we got soybean cyst nematode, white mold, and then SDS right behind white mold. So how bad was uh, sudden death syndrome? Yeah, so where we didn't have white mold, we had sudden death syndrome. Uh, so the southern two-thirds of the state, you know, or southern two-thirds of where we had soybeans planted, was uh, that was the primary disease we ran into, uh, mainly because we had this cool, wet spring. Uh, and this is a root rot pathogen that comes in, uh, hits those plants early on, and then we see the effects later on in the season. So it definitely took its toll in, in 2018 in some acres. And do you expect it'll rear its ugly head again coming into 2019? Yeah, we're in, now that it's in some of these fields, it's going to be there, so we've got to manage it. Uh, it's Again, it's going to depend on what the weather does for us at planting time, but if we're wet uh, and you've had a history, you know, you, you can guarantee you're probably going to see some there. And I know a lot of farmers are looking at this going into 2019 and making decisions about seed treatments right now, and so that's, that's where a lot of the energy is being expended, a uh, variety of resistance and seed treatments. Seed quality, seed treatment uh, going forward, that's a concern for you too. Yeah, we had this this crop that just sat out there in 2018, seed beans included, and they, we couldn't get them out. Uh, and then wet weather on top of that really dropped the seed quality. And we're primarily seeing Fomopsis seed decay in some of these seed supplies. So we're telling folks right now, check germination. Uh, be prepared to put a seed treatment on, on these seeds. Uh, try to get those seed uh, clean to, to get the germination up above about 80% and then put that uh, fungicide seed treatment on top of that to try to help help with the germination. But certainly seed supplies are short uh, this year. Good quality seed supplies are short, and so it's going to be a challenge going into 2019. Uh, we're, again, we're still seeing those effects of 2018. And what kind of a percentage would you put on the... Uh sudden death syndrome as far as lost crop this past year? Yeah, that one wasn't quite as heavy, again, in in terms of yield reductions maybe as white mold, so probably in the 2.5 to... 3% 3% range across the state uh, if you if you looked at that. You know, Fomopsis seed decay probably took a little more, probably, you know, 5-6% somewhere in there. So that was actually one that uh, hit us hard, I think, and, you know, nobody really realized what the yield reductions were going to be until they started cleaning seed and saw, saw how much it was taken. Soybean says nematode number one. Is that something that we can do a better job with? Yeah, there's a there's an effort right now to sort of reinvigorate the the knowledge base around soybean cyst nematode. It sits there and it's lurking all the time for us. It is, uh, you know, like I said, our number one yield uh, inhibitor in the state. Most of the acreage now in soybeans in Wisconsin is infested, so now it's just managing the problem. So varieties are, are the primary means of, of managing that. Secondarily, we do have some seed treatments out there, uh, but they, they don't do as good a job as the, as the resistant varieties do. So we're trying to get farmers to pay attention to this problem, make sure you're testing and keeping track of those populations. You know, we, we have this, the free testing program in, in uh, Wisconsin, and I'd encourage folks to take advantage of that because you don't know what you have until you test and you can't make a good uh, selection of a variety until you know what you have in terms of a population. Genetics are improving, but uh, how much more is there to go to, to get better white mold, sudden death syndrome, SCN resistance? 
Yeah, we're, you know, in my program, we actually focus quite a bit on the white mold situation, and we're trying to think outside the box here and actually try to find varieties with improved resistance, both conventional and we're also looking at GMO technology. So the Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board has sponsored us, and, and as well as the North Central Soybean Re- Research Program, and trying to d- develop varieties that are resistant. We do have some GMO testing varieties now, which look pretty promising. So I think that's where we're going to be moving ahead with some of these difficult-to-control diseases. We may have to look at some mm-hmm. GMO. GMO technology or something similar. And Damon, you've done a lot of research on this, and and you've got this research available in some of the uh, recommendations. How can farmers access that from from your work? Yeah, absolutely. We post everything, and we write lots of blog articles, especially during the season. Uh, uh, You can find all that information at badgercropdoc.com. And it's available from Damon Smith. Damon, thank you. You betcha. Thank you. All right, Damon Smith, plant pathologist, the challenges in soybeans in Wisconsin. I'm Bob Bosold. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. When you're known for something, word gets around. The Red Zone Sports Bar, notorious for their menu and music. Enjoy Madison's best live music at the Annex inside the Red Zone. When hunger strikes, browse the full menu, including tangy buffalo wings served with the Red Zone's signature sauce, the build-your-own chicken sandwich, and all of your Red Zone dine-in and carry-out favorites. When you visit the Red Zone on Regent Street, you know what you're getting. Menu and music. We're in the zone. It is our 50th state and breathtaking. I'm Pam Yankee, inviting you to join me on our Alaska adventure, August 20th through September 1st. Alaska Agriculture and the Inside Passage Cruise. We'll take in the communities of Juneau, Anchorage, and Fairbanks. We'll visit some of the state's most beautiful locations like Denali National Park. We'll ride the White Pass and Yukon Route train. We'll visit Prince William Sound. And when you travel with me, remember, all airfare and accommodations are included. Plus, on our agriculture tours, you're getting a chance to attend the Alaska State Fair. You'll visit the Matanuska Valley Agriculture Center and get up close with a real muskox. Find details today at fabulousfarmbabe.net, right there on the homepage. Or better yet, pick up the phone and call Holiday Vacations, voted best in Alaska, toll-free, 800-826-2266. That's 800 826 2266. I got a $5,000 signing bonus to join Santa Max. It was a no-brainer. I'm a CDL Class A truck driver for Santa Max. Home every day and no weekends. Santa Max is hiring CDL Class A truck drivers with experience to join the DeForest Third Shift team. Quarterly bonuses and a $5,000 signing bonus. Great pay, great company, and a $5,000 signing bonus. I made the move to Santa Max. It was a no-brainer. Apply online at SantaMax.com. S-A-N-I Max. Apply at SantaMax.com. Putting the cheese on the crackers. It's Pam Yonke and the Wisconsin Farm Report. All righty, 520 now on a Wednesday morning. That's got another weather advisory day in our forecast. I didn't know about that coming in this morning, but found out quickly, Stumach Ag Meteorologist, when I was coming in, and granted, now this was uh, about three hours ago, uh, suddenly my windshield was glazed over uh, with ice. So there's some freezing drizzle out there in southern Wisconsin. Looks like up by La Crosse, they've got snow this morning. A little bit of light snow up there, yes. And you mentioned it. The winter weather advisory at Madison till 9 this morning. The winter weather advisory till noon at Fond du Lac and Oshkosh. 
and everybody else just having a little winter weather to get the day underway. Not that it's a lot of heavy precipitation. The radar indicating snow from southeast Minnesota through central Wisconsin over toward the Fox Valley area and up into the North Peninsula, Green Bay, of course. Now that snow is pushing east and a little southeast, so we'll all get a bit of that yet this morning. But in the south, Madison, east and southeast, if you will, a little bit of patchy freezing drizzle, really light freezing precipitation to be around for a time be on the alert give yourself a little time clear off that windshield if you're hitting the road and otherwise that activity will end and our temperatures today will even be just a little nicer than yesterday and we'll warm it up a little bit more for thursday but already by that time a cool front starts to drag in from the northwest may account for a little light snow as we wrap up the week that would be happening on toward a bit later Friday afternoon into Friday night or early Saturday. The low pressure we're talking about that with that little bit of snow today down in Illinois already heading to Indiana. So not going to stick around long for today and about the same. A quick hit here at the end of the week. Those temperatures that try to warm up here on through to the tomorrow and Friday. Unfortunately, the bottom falls out. And especially Sunday and Monday, we fall back to single-digit daytime highs and, unfortunately, well below zero nighttime lows. I'll have forecast details right after this. Celebrating 100 years, the Wisconsin Farm Bureau. It's a grassroots organization of people just like you and me who care about keeping agriculture strong. Joining the Farm Bureau can also qualify you for a number of money-saving member benefits that include discounts on insurance, travel, even equipment. Farm Bureau proud for 100 years. Become a member today at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, a vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. As the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin, Rural Mutual is excited to announce the Rural Mutual Farm Dividend Program. The first of its kind in the state. They know how hard you work, so they want to reward you. Rural Mutual's Farm Dividend Program rewards farmers for their loyalty and dedication with up to a 5% dividend. And since Rural Mutual only does business in Wisconsin, premiums paid here stay here to keep Wisconsin strong. To learn more about Rural Mutual's Farm Dividend Program and how you may qualify, please contact a rural agent or visit RuralMutual.com. All righty, 523 now, Stu. Go ahead. Uh, tell us a little bit about the short term and the long term that we're going to be dealing with weather wise. Oh, absolutely. And the winter weather advisory again, Madison till nine, Oshkosh and Fond du Lac till noon today. A little light snow yet this morning. We're not going to accumulate even an inch yet this morning. So it's going to be ending for us, but we'll stay cloudy through the day, mostly cloudy, if you will. And upper teens and low 20s for highs. The northwest winds about 5 to 15. Partly cloudy and colder tonight, 0 and below. Madison, the warm spot around 0. Boy, that sounds bad. Northwest winds 5 to 10. The clouds build back in again Thursday. And I expect daytime temps to at least hit the very low 20s. And the winds will become southwest at 5. It's then that we head toward Friday, and mostly cloudy skies, some light snow later on. Upper 20s, though, Friday. That sounds nicer, but the southeast winds will be at 5, and we'll hold in those upper 20s for Saturday, Pam, and then single digits and colder Sunday and right into next week. Yeah, I saw that. Not nice when zero is as warm as you can you can brag about, eh? <laughs> well, it beats where it was, you know, a month ago. Yeah. So let's keep pounding. And Friday is March 1st. Very true. All right, buddy. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks. You bet. Bye now.
Stumach, our ag meteorologist with the weather details. And like I said, it's a winter weather advisory situation in southern Wisconsin, specifically Madison. So the commute this morning could be a little dicey. In La Crosse, you're dealing with some snow showers. You're at 10 above. Mauston, partly cloudy and 9 above. Madison, clear right now, but we had precipitation earlier, 12 above. Fond du Lac, you've got some light snow. You're at 12 degrees. And Oshkosh, light snow, sitting at 10 degrees at 525. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. It is amazing what a few creature comforts do to improve my day when I jump in my ride. Pam Yonke here for my buddies at Zimbrick Chevrolet Main Street Sun Prairie. What am I talking about? Oh, things like heated seats, heated steering wheel, remote start. I'm using those items every day to get the ice off my windshield, make sure that my truck's a little warmer when I get in, and it improves my day. Zimmerig Chevrolet and Sun Prairie's got a couple different lease specials going on right now, so stop on out, take a look at those options, and do a test drive. Oh, yeah, I said a winter test drive. Why? Well, it lets you put that Chevy through its paces, not just because you see how fast the seats get warm, but think about the handling and braking on back roads with Wisconsin winter. It's really going to let you know how it handles, isn't it? Because summer days, well, those are easy. If you're like me, your life doesn't stop just because there's snow on the ground. I know my Chevys get me there. What about you? Stop out and visit with my friends. Zimbrick Chevrolet, Main Street, Sun Prairie. The Army National Guard is committed to keeping the country safe and our communities secure. Composed of hundreds of thousands of citizen soldiers from all walks of life and in every corner of America, the Guard is always ready to respond to local or national emergencies. The Army National Guard reacts to domestic operations in each of America's 54 states and territories, including Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands, Guam, and the District of Columbia. Each state National Guard's unique domestic role is to act as the first line of defense in support of civil authorities in their state. The Guard's emergency responses include Search and rescue missions for floods, combating wildfires, hurricane and tornado recovery, and the presidential inauguration. The Army National Guard. We are always ready. We are always there. And in every state and territory, we stand guard for our communities. To learn more, log on to NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Wisconsin Army National Guard. Aired by the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association and this station. It may not require a textbook but it's filled with valuable lessons. It may not take place in a classroom, but it's an ideal environment for learning. It may not involve a diploma, but it can help prepare Wisconsin's young people for life. It's high school sports. High school sports can play a critical role in a student's overall education. In fact, studies show that students that participate in high school sports are more likely to enjoy greater levels of achievement in their academic lives. If you think high school sports are only about competition, think again. Better yet, think about attending a high school sporting event in your community. You'll be amazed by what you see. High school sports, a winning part of a complete education. This message presented by the Wisconsin Interscholastic Athletic Association and the Wisconsin Athletic Directors Association. Attorney John Rihala with Clifford and Rihala. At Clifford and Rihala, we have the experience you need to help you after any kind of collision. We help people who have been seriously injured, ranging from pedestrians hit crossing the street, people rear-ended by semi-trucks, 
to victims of drunk driver crashes. No matter how you've been injured, our experienced and skilled attorneys will help you get your maximum recovery. And very importantly, we also know how to protect that recovery. At Clifford and Rihala, we understand that many issues can come up after a settlement is reached. If those issues aren't handled carefully, an injury victim can lose money. Don't let that happen to you. Call Clifford and Rihala. For relentless dedication to helping you and your family, choose Clifford and Rihala, hardworking, skilled attorneys fighting for you. For justice, myjustice.com. Raising your own poultry can be great for the entire family. Whether you have a few chickens in your backyard or you're expanding your flock on the farm, Blaine's Farm and Fleet has everything you need, from housing and fencing, bedding and heating, to feeding and watering. And right now is the perfect time to get started because chick days are going on now at Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Come see our wide variety of chickens and learn more about raising chickens from one of our experts in our ag department. Right now, when you buy a 50-pound bag of Agrimaster or NatureWise Chick Starter Grower, get a free bag of Chick Boost, valued at $9.99. Or if ducks are your passion, we also carry Duck Starter. Pick up an 8-pound bag of Mana Pro Duck Starter Grower or Duck Layer Feed. Your choice, just $5.49. Press for time, use our drive through service, and leave the heavy lifting to us. Just drive up, place your order, and we'll have you loaded up and on your way in no time. That's genuine value from Blaine's Farm and Fleet. The original, authentic, still family-owned since 1955. Get back to that Coors Light suite, man. Undefeated, never lost in the Bradley Center when you, you and I go to those games. Uh, we welcome in our guy Cody Grant. Some Bucks talking uh, this morning. Uh, morning, Cody. Morning, guys. How you doing? Uh, I am doing awesome. I am not hungover today. Uh, we've had a lot of horror stories of people uh, drinking too much. Uh, I, I, do you have anything you're, uh, you're comfortable that's uh, safe for air, uh, Cody, a, a, a bad day gone yeah. at the bar? I don't have enough time to tell you all the hungover <laughs> stories I have. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, well, I'm not this morning, so I'm all ready to go. Yeah, you sound you sound chipper and you sound sprightly. I thought the Bucks would not be that last night. You know, third game in four days. Uh, you know, you know Giannis. You, you gotta figure they were right for a letdown. Bulls coming in pretty hot, probably wanting a piece of the the apple that is the Bucks and the best team in the East. Yet they just continue to find ways to win. It it really is. I'm out of words to describe this team after last night. Yeah, it's just like. I think one word I can use is boring because they kind of don't put you in that situation where you're on the edge of your seat. I mean, they had an awful first quarter. They gave up 38 points. I mean, the defense was just absolutely terrible. But then they locked down in the second quarter. I mean, the Bulls had seven points in the second quarter with like two minutes to go. They finished with uh, 16. But it's just kind of in that mindset. You're watching these games and you're like, they're not. They'll be fine. Yeah, know? that was a brutal. Whatever. They're down. They're down. You know, fourteen. They're fine. That was a they'll brutal, come back. They'll win. Brutal second quarter from the from the Chicago Bulls. But I think that is a testament to the Bucks and their defense. Uh, when you saw Giannis, you know, was uh, was going to be sat on the bench for some for some rest. What did you think initially? Do you think the Bucks stood a chance to get a against a Bulls team that was what won three in a row? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Bulls uh, they've won sixteen games this season. They're not a team to write home about. Um, they have two really good players in Zach Levine and Laurie Markinen as far as youth. And those two guys are going to be part of their core moving forward, absolutely. But when those two guys are off the court, I mean, it's kind of like a third-string team. I mean, there's guys on that team that uh, a lot of people that 
probably watch the NBA, don't even know who they are. I mean, Wayne Selden, Shaquille Harrelson, Antonio Blackney, Cristiano Felicio, and, uh, you know, Timothy Lavalu Carbarrow. I hope I didn't butcher that name too bad. But when they went to that lineup, I mean, they had nobody that can score the ball. And that was the second quarter where the Bucks really took advantage. So, Visiting, go ahead. No, no, feel free. Uh, visiting with our guy Cody Grant. So you know, y- you get that win last night, and you have you know a four game road trip. You know, on the West Coast. You know, again, I- I'm looking at it, and I'm-, I'm sure the Bucks weren't going in expecting to lose. But you know, are you looking at it with resting Giannis on the short turn on saying, "Look, we got four games in five days. You know, on the West Coast, and you know the goal is to you know get two or three of those wins." I mean, do you continue to get greedy now because you're going to have Giannis back for the weekend uh, and, and just say, we can win without him. We certainly can win the rest of these games on the road with him. I don't think so. I mean, I expect him to come back Wednesday night in uh, Sacramento uh, tomorrow, I should say, and then probably Friday in L.A. Maybe you rest him against Utah on Saturday because it's a back-to-back. But they've rested Giannis before this season not too often. I think that was his fourth missed game, if I'm not correct, fourth or fifth. But they can win without him. I mean, they're a good team without him. I, I think they're still probably a playoff team without him in the Eastern Conference, maybe like, you know, seventh or eighth seed, because uh, they got players. I mean, Middleton stepped up last night. He had 22. Brogdon stepped up last night. He had 22. But I don't think you get to the point where, okay, we're going to sit our MVP on the rest of this road trip. Uh, I mean, there's a reason why they have been so good on the road, 21-9, and Giannis is a big part of that. What was the vibe like in the locker room afterwards without you know Giannis getting a win in that fashion? I mean, they were all just happy and uh, kind of uh, chipper. I mean, uh, they were asked, of course, you know, we always ask the question, like, how do you feel getting the win without Giannis? And even Middleton said, you know, we're a great team with Giannis, but we're still a good team without him because we have enough talent on this team to uh, – get wins and grind out victories, and that's exactly what they did. Hey, uh, before I let you go, uh, visiting with our Bucks guy, Cody Grant, uh, you're not just a Bucks guy, you're a morning guy on the sports report, so I heard you talking about the Randall Cobb, which we've been talking about. Uh, what do you think? Uh, we put it to a question of, you know, should the Packers try and negotiate a, a discounted price and cut the center half, or do you think it's just best to, to cut all ties and, and, and get all the money back? I think it's best to just cut all ties. I mean, I was interested to see what Randall Cobb could do last season this is the farm report with pam young 35 now on a wednesday morning please bear in mind today is what they call an alert day as far as our weather is concerned light snow flurries and freezing drizzle all possible this morning depending on where you are you factor in the cold temperatures and that means that roads and sidewalks are ice covered and slippery this morning so the morning commute could take you a little while longer that light precipitation is going to end this morning but uh, again you got to deal with it so be careful out there it is an alert day i'm pm yankee now from the landmark services cooperative agri news desk here's what's happening on a wednesday so on this date back in 1904 can you believe it the second state capitol building in madison burned down they had everything shut off in the building Only lights that were visible were two gas jets that were helping the night watchman keep an eye on things. About 2 a.m., he smelled smoke, walked into the building, and the freshly varnished ceiling of the state capitol was on fire. So our second state capitol burned down in Madison back on this date, 1904. Uh, This is one maybe some of you remember on this date back in 1969. Thousands of students on the UW-Madison campus 
basically rioted. They rampaged through nine different campus buildings protesting low black enrollment numbers. That was on this date back in 1969. And now you know. A couple other things I want you to know. First of all, got to update you. Remember, now is the time. If you're a dairy farmer that's concerned about what's happening with your checkoff dollars here in the state of Wisconsin, get involved to find those answers. Right now, Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin, formerly the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board, is looking for dairy producers to serve in eight of their 25 districts. They're holding elections now. Uh, Any qualified candidate in our listing area, Portage, Washera, and Wood Counties, Adams, Juneau, and Monroe Counties, Crawford and Vernon Counties, as well as Dane and Jefferson Counties, should toss their name in the hat. To be eligible, you have to be an active dairy producer that sells milk into commercial channels and lives in the represented district that's up for election. Got to get your paperwork in by March 30th. So keep that in mind. Speaking of deadlines, don't forget Friday is the deadline. If you want to grow industrial hemp in Wisconsin or process it, you need to make application for that permit. Deadline is on Friday. And also Friday is the deadline for any applications for the Century or Sesquicentennial Farm and Home Awards that are presented every August at the Wisconsin State Fair. I tried to get details up on my website yesterday, but suffered a setback. If you're still looking for those details, pop on over to my website now, fabulousfarmbabe.net. Markets are next. There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Reclaim water from cow manure? Wisconsin-based Aqua Innovations proprietary nutrient concentration system delivers pathogen-free organic fertilizer, fewer trucks on the road, and a balance between growth and the environment. Aqua Innovations, here for good. And by Blaine's Farm and Fleet, the original, authentic, still family-owned since 1955. Keep up with Pam at fabulousfarmbabe.net, Facebook, and Twitter. No one works harder to help you achieve your goals. We know how challenging and rewarding farming and this way of life can be. You won't find financial experts with more ag knowledge and deeper rural roots. And as a cooperative, our member owners understand this firsthand through benefits like our patronage program, which gives profits back to member owners. Learn more at Compeer.com. Trademarks of Compeer Financial and Equal Credit Opportunity Lender. So you think you're ready for Wisconsin weather. Well, let me remind you, Madison averages 43 inches of snow per year and 35 inches of rain. Fabulous Farm Babe Pam Yankee here for my friends at McFarland's, 780 Carolina Street, right there in the heart of Sauk City, just off Highway 12, where everything is all under one roof. Boy, is that convenient when it comes to Wisconsin weather and making sure that your ride is safe. Now, remember, McFarland's takes care of all of your rides, whether it's autos, pickup trucks, large trucks, farm tractors, but it doesn't stop there. Bicycles, snowblowers, garden tractors, and RTVs. Listen, if you're depending on your ride and those tires, you should depend on McFarland's. And as always, service all under one roof in the auto and tire shop. Stop on by today and make sure your ride's safe for Wisconsin roadways. McFarland's, 780 Carolina Street in the heart of Sauk City. Bottom line report brought to you by MS Biotech, makers of Lactopro Advance for beef and dairy cattle. They call it technology by nature's design. And by Zaner Ag Hedge, the official analysis firm of the Bottom Line Report. We depend on them. You should too, entering the spring season. Zaner.com. 
Grain producers gathering in Orlando, Florida, starting today for their Commodity Classic early talk. Most producers say they don't plan on major acreage changes north of Interstate 70. The south could change some cotton acres. Again, Mother Nature has the last word. We'll keep an eye on December corn. A close under 395 hasn't happened since November 27th. And November soybeans are revisiting lows from January 16th. And wheat in Chicago and Kansas City go all the way back to June 26th of last year to equal these lows. Bottom line, we think the turnaround Tuesday may come a day later and be higher here today. This is the Bottom Line Report. Beef continues to ride a strong dressed beef market and lower weights. February and April have been trading side-by-side side in the futures trade. February off to set to leave the board here. April has that $10 premium to the June futures to deal with. Pork production levels well above where the December hog and pig report indicated they should be. They've been up 5 to 7% every week this year. I'm Mark Oppold, wishing you a profitable day. Thank you, Mark. In overnight electronic trade, December new crop corns down a quarter right now at 396. November beans down a penny, 947 and three quarters. July new crop wheat currently unchanged, 475 and a quarter. Barrel cheese was unchanged on Tuesday. 40 pound block cheese up a penny and a quarter at 161. Double A butter down a quarter of a cent, 226 and a half. Fluid milk for March down two at 1525 a hundredweight. PJ Leash is up next. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. The skills you can develop as a soldier in the Army National Guard can give you an edge in the high-tech job market of tomorrow. The Guard offers career training to take advantage of your skills in science, technology, engineering, and math that can help give you a leg up to a high-paying and rewarding STEM profession. Gain practical experience with emerging technology and equipment not found in the civilian world. The Army National Guard can get you started in an array of STEM-related career fields such as information technology, communication systems, special forces engineers, technical engineering, air traffic control, and chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear science. Get a head start on your career in an exciting new field while earning money to pay for college, all while serving in your own community. Log on to NationalGuard.com or talk to a recruiter in your area to learn about all of the STEM career opportunities available to you in the Army National Guard. Sponsored by the Wisconsin Army National Guard. Aired by the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association and this station. Art doesn't see disabilities. That's because art is truly for everyone. All artists, ages, cultures, and abilities. But for individuals with disabilities, making art transforms not just them as creators, it transforms everyone around them. VSA Wisconsin has been changing lives through art for over 30 years. We provide accessibility and participation in all arts learning that enhance so many aspects of life. For thousands of Wisconsinites with disabilities, from three years old to seniors, we offer participation in music, visual art, creative writing, movement, and drama. What can VSA Wisconsin do for you? Inspire. You'll see at our programs, shows, events, and sales throughout the state. Attend classes and workshops taught by professional artists at the VSA Art Center in Madison. Or visit our gallery and shop and take some inspiration home. Visit us online at vsawis.org to volunteer, donate, to get informed, get involved, and get inspired by art all over again. Chicken, sheep, and cows, oh my. 
It's time for the Wisconsin Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Yeah, but as we wrap it off on a Wednesday morning, what about ticks, mosquitoes, emerald ash borer? Those are the kinds of insects that a lot of folks in Wisconsin think about during the growing season, during the summer months. But what about now? This nasty, wicked Wisconsin weather we've been living with this year, has it done anything to knock back the insect population around the state? Well, P.J. Leash, our University Extension entomologist, is keeping an eye on those trends. And he says, uh, despite the polar vortex, some insects are weathering it better than others. I started off wondering about emerald ash borer. Yeah, so for emerald ash borer, when you look at the temperatures that we got in Wisconsin, we were talking minus 20, minus 30. I heard some folks, uh, you know, reports even colder than that, according to what their car was saying. So we know it got darn cold about a week and a half, two weeks ago with the Arctic blast. With an insect like emerald ash borer, and, and this would be true of other insects as well, they get down to a certain point and they just freeze and die. Um, and they often have tricks to help them uh, essentially lower their, their freezing point. Emerald ash borer does that to a certain extent. When you look at the research behind emerald ash borer, though, um, studies have found, at least in, in the lab, that once you get down to about minus 20 to minus 30, you can get some very significant mortality in that temperature range. So we were down in there, at least the air temperatures. A big question, though, is the temperature beneath the bark of the tree, which would likely be slightly warmer than the outside of the bark because it's just going to hold some heat in. Um, Still, though, with the temperatures we got, I suspect there's probably some decent mortality. It might have been 75-ish percent, possibly more, possibly less. We don't really have a good way of knowing for sure. The way I view it, though, is that we're going to have some survivors that make it through the cold, And unfortunately for those survivors, the females have a very high reproductive capacity. Um, Simply put, they can lay a lot of eggs. So with the cold winter, I'm looking at it knocking them down a bit. I don't think it's taking them out of the equation entirely. I think given some time within uh, a year or two, they're going to come back up to full steam and we'll have uh, more of them moving around the state, unfortunately. Well, drats. Well, all right then, PJ, let's switch to another irritant that a lot of us recall from the warmer days, and that's mosquitoes. I suppose it's a little early for us to be doing a mosquito forecast, but tell me what uh, might be an indicator of population for 2019. Yeah, and so mosquitoes are one topic where it's really a big question mark at this point. So it depends on the mosquito species in terms of how they make it through the winter. Some mosquitoes, uh, many mosquitoes will overwinter in the egg stage, and this is going to be eggs in low-lying areas in the woods and other locations similar to that. Well, if you think back just before that Arctic blast hit, at least in southern Wisconsin, we had some pretty good snow cover, maybe about 8 to 12 inches of snow on the ground, and that was a good insulator. So that would mean if there were mosquito eggs in these locations, they weren't experiencing the minus 20, minus 30 Way down beneath all that snow, it might have been hovering right around the freezing point, uh, give or take a little bit. Uh, Other insects or other mosquitoes might overwinter as adults in kind of sheltered locations. That could be a a rock, small cave or outcropping or rock pile, uh, hollow log, something like that. Some mosquitoes will actually sneak into people's root cellars and and basements for the winter months because it's kind of a cave-like environment. Um, Those wouldn't have been impacted a whole lot simply because they were in a relatively sheltered spot. 
So when it comes to the mosquitoes, it's really hard to make a prediction at this point. And the most important factor in the mosquito equation is really the dynamics of rainfall and precipitation in the spring months. So if like in the last couple of years, we have a very rainy April and May, that's probably going to set us up again for some good mosquito conditions. All right. Well, the mosquito research on the UW campus, though, is getting elevated a little bit, not necessarily all about our individual comfort, but uh, you've got a group of researchers down there, PJ, that's concentrating on things like Zika and the evolution of the mosquito. Tell me about that. Yeah, so I have a group of colleagues here on campus that uh, within the last couple of years got a really big grant from the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, um, and they have formed a group called the CDC Midwest Center of Excellence for Vector-Borne Disease, and that's just to simply put a group that studies things that bite and sting and, and spread diseases to us potentially and things along those lines. So they're looking at Um, mosquitoes, they're looking at ticks, and we do have big concerns there. I mean, it's hard to turn on the nightly news and not hear something about Zika virus or dengue uh, or chikungunya and things like that, or West Nile in our own area. So we have folks that are uh, putting in a lot of time um, studying those. And then perhaps one of the biggest um, emerging medical threats I see in Wisconsin surrounding states would be ticks, with things like deer ticks spreading Lyme disease and anaplasmosis and babesiosis. And the thing that scares me the most about ticks in our area, uh, we didn't find our first deer tick in Wisconsin until about the late 1960s. And today we can find them in just about every corner of the state. So that's really a big explosion in about the last 50 years. So that's something that's occurred just in our lifetime. And I I suspect any listeners, if you think about it, you probably know a relative or a friend or someone else, a neighbor that has had Lyme disease. So that is something that has popped up and become really scary. And so my colleagues here in that uh, CDC Center of Excellence are looking at um, dynamics. Where can we really nail down tick habitat? What are the factors involved that uh, create good tick habitat? How can we go about controlling them better so that we can protect ourselves and our kids and our pets when they're out in our backyard or we're out on a hike, those sorts of things. So lots of good research being done here uh, at the UW-Madison campus. But again, the weather factor, this sub-zero stuff we've been talking about, probably not much of an impact on our ticks, no matter the variety, huh, PJ? Right, exactly. Yeah, with ticks, they tend to spend the winter down amongst leaf litter on the ground. And and as I mentioned, we had that good snow cover. If we didn't have that snow cover, bare ground and went into that Arctic blast, I would suspect we'd have much more impacts on uh, the insects and ticks and other things in our state. But I think that snow insulated things pretty well at this point. So those are the two that popped to my mind, PJ. What other insects are out there that could have been impacted by the weather? Uh, Is there any lipstick for this pig of a weather forecast we've been living with when it comes to some of those uh, insects that intrude on our backyard or our gardens? So maybe a bit. Um, And if you think about it overall, in Wisconsin, we have somewhere in the ballpark of 25,000 different insect species. Some of those are going to be winners. Some of them are going to be losers when it came to um, the Arctic blast. So we won't know for sure for some of them until we get into this next growing season and see if their numbers are down. One thing I'm personally very curious about, though, and this is a pest that farmers have to deal with and home gardeners have to deal with, and I mean, just about everyone has to deal with this one. We're talking about Japanese beetles. 
Um, one little bit of, of good information that I'm hoping might shed some light on this coming summer's Japanese beetle population, if you think back about five years ago, we had some cold, hard Arctic blasts during the winter of 2013 to 2014. And we had reports of big pipes bursting, and that frost was you know, feet deep um, into the ground in some areas. That next summer, 2014, the Japanese beetle populations, from the reports I was getting, were pretty much down across the state. Um, so I think that that cold, hard frost really knocked them down. It's possible that with our recent Arctic blast, that might have happened again. Um, that insulating snow cover might be a big question mark in the equation. So we don't know for sure yet, but there's at least a possibility that Japanese beetles may be down with the Arctic blast, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed that they that may be the case for us. You know, we talk about those uh, irritants. What about our beneficials, PJ? I mean, I'm sure that my beekeepers are stressed over this kind of weather. What about the beneficials that I'm not thinking about? Yeah, and if you look at insects overall, if we had a pie chart, beneficials are probably going to be the biggest chunk of the pie. When I think of our insects, so be it pests or, or beneficials, I kind of look at their status. Are they a critter that is native to our area? If they are a native species and they're adapted to a northern climate, over the course of time, they would have been kind of used to the cold winters, if you think about it that way. If it's also insects that may be overwinter in sheltered locations, for example, we have some of our native solitary bees, our ground nesters, so they're maybe a couple inches, in some cases maybe a foot or more below ground, so they would be in a fairly protected sheltered location. Um, for things like our honeybees, uh, beekeepers can do certain things in terms of insulating the hives and blocking winds, so they've got some tactics that they can take um, for Many of our beneficial predatory insects and, and spiders, they may go through the winter in an egg stage that's a little bit more tolerant of some extreme conditions, or if those beneficial ground beetles and things like that are um, in a location where they're down in the soil, amongst the leaf litter, a rotting log, or some location like that, they also might have been sheltered, and uh, the effects of the Arctic blast might have been relatively minimal towards them. So that is some good news. Um, I wouldn't expect the cold Arctic blast to take out all of our, our good guy insects out there in the state. Well, we still have a few weeks to go. We'll have to check back with you. It sounds like it's an evolving story, huh? It is, yeah. I'm going to be curious to see how the spring weather comes, um, and uh, I think the spring rain and temperatures will play an important role in this story as it unfolds this coming summer. All right, PJ, we'll take kind of a wait and see on that. PJ Lee, she's our University Extension entomologist, very active on Twitter if you want to follow along, WI Bug Guy. Tomorrow, in studio with us, Price Murphy from Revolution Plastics to give us an update on how that collection